0: I'm Jane Barone, and this is On the Ledge, and this episode is served rare and a little bit salty. week's show I will be giving you my very personal opinions about houseplant prices, rare houseplants and what it all means for us houseplant growers. And I'll also be bringing you a new listener in Meet the Listener and I'm answering a question about marks on a moon cactus. Thank you to all the fine people who have been leaving reviews for On The Ledge, JamieJ527, ClayX043 from the US, Parkan8 from the UK, and BathtubWitch from Ireland, and I particularly liked AggressiveScritches from the US who likes to brush their cats while listening, and shoutouts to new patrons Sean, who became a crazy plant person, Louise, Alison, Steve, Erica, Mosey and Mel, who all became legends, and Stephanie, who became an On The Ledge superfan. Thanks to all of you, and for all of you who are already subscribers via Patreon, who have decided to switch your membership to annual, I'm glad that you have been able to do that. I've sent through instructions to everyone who's currently paying monthly on how to switch. If you run into any problems, do give me a shout, because I know these things can often involve a lot of confusion and ticking different boxes. So do get in touch if you're having problems switching from monthly to annual or any other issues with your Patreon membership. I'll be happy to help. If you don't know what on earth I'm talking about, then you can find out more about Patreon in the show notes for every episode. Scroll down the page and you'll find all the info that you need. And a reminder that we have a Q&A special coming up very shortly. So do drop your questions to me on theledgepodcast.gmail.com and I will endeavour to fit as many of your questions into that episode as POS. People do fire lots of plant questions at me on social media and I do try and answer as many of them as I possibly can, but I don't always get to everybody. So if you really want your question to be answered, then do drop a line to on com. And I will do my damnedest to get to you in the upcoming Q&A special and do remember also that people who are members of the house plant fans of on the ledge facebook group can also share any plant problems in that group and there is a whole array of people with expertise who can help you out so if you want a quick answer and you don't want to wait for me to get back to you then do join houseplant fans of on the ledge there are just three questions to answer you have to identify your favorite episode tricky i know do you want to know what my favorite episode of on the ledges Ooh, um i haven't actually prepared an answer to this question i think i would probably say that the 100th episode is was very important to me and I loved going to James Wong's flat, so those two James Wong episodes would be up there. I also loved the Lithops episode, which, funnily enough, I'm entering in the radio broadcast and podcast category at the Garden Media Guild Awards. I won that category for my previous podcast, So Grow Repeat, back in, I think it was 2016, but have not yet won it for On The Ledge. So maybe it's my year. We shall see. But anyway, that's the episode I'm entering for that competition. And I know it's a tricky question, but yeah, I'm not going to interrogate you about it. But you do need to answer that question. The other two questions for membership of houseplant fans of On The Ledge are your favourite houseplants. Again, I know it's a very tricky question. But uh, what would I say for that one? I think I would probably say right now, I would say probably Hoya Villosa with its lovely undulating leaf edges and vein markings. And then the final question is just asking you to obey the rules, which are very, very straightforward and just require you not to be an idiot, really. (laughs) So do go and join that group if you're not already in there. It's a really supportive group. You can ask questions, ask for advice, share your plant beauties, and it is a lovely place to be. There is no drama. It's a wonderful group, thanks to you all being absolute stars, and also to the hard work of my moderators, Nathaniel, Amy, and Kelly. I've also been absolutely loving the story that's come out on social media about a British law firm where a security guard got every single plant from every single office, across 12 floors of the company and moved them all into the cafeteria for safekeeping. I've tried to get in touch with the author of the post. No luck yet, but if you happen to know that person, I think they're called Waffles Risa. I would love to talk to them and to track down this wonderful security guard. I'm sure they're actually really happy all being grouped together rather than spread out around the offices. So it's a good good story and I'm pleased that there's people everywhere who want to care for plants. And please do remember, if you have some kind of houseplant-related story that you want to share in On The Ledge, do get in touch. I'm always open to ideas for episodes and people to interview and so on that's how some of the best episodes of the show come to happen so please do get in touch I am currently looking for somebody to interview about croton aka codeum aka joseph's Cope, because I know a lot of you want an episode on this plant but I just can't find an expert on these plants to talk to me so if you know of anybody who's really good on crotons please let me know Right, now it's time to talk about rare plants, and I don't want this to turn into a rant, I want it to be a reasoned argument. But I hope that this will give you pause for thought about what's happening in the houseplant world right now. I guess I got really alarmed about plant prices when a plant that I've been lusting after suddenly went up in price. As many of you know through the podcast, I've been looking for a piece of Bantel sensation, a cultivar of Sansevieria, or more correctly, Dracaena, as it's been moved to the Dracaena genus, the snake plant. I've been looking for a piece or a plant of this particular cultivar for a long time now. For some reason, while they're common in the US, they just aren't that common here in the UK. And I haven't found a shop selling them. I think a couple of people have found a a shop in Poland selling them but I still do not have one of these plants. So I put an eBay search save out there so that anytime anyone put one of these plants on eBay, I would know. A few months ago, the last cutting that I had been watching, the last pup that I've been watching, went, I think it was for about £25 and I missed out on it at the time because I thought that's a bit expensive, Anyway, another pup came up from the same seller, I think, uh, very recently, about two or three weeks ago. And I was kind of getting excited because the price was still quite low. And I was all watching the countdown and the price was still about £10. And I thought, well, i mean with a chance here. How much should it go for? Do you want to guess how much it went for? It went for about £87 for a tiny stick of a snake plant. Thanks to all the listeners, by the way, who've offered to send me a piece of their Bantel sensation from the US. Very kind of you, but I don't think it's a good idea, given plant health and the spread of diseases, to be importing individual plants from the US. Plus, I just don't think it's worth it for the air Miles. Of course, there are other houseplants that are going for much, much more. The headline in the New York Post recently was Some sucker in New Zealand just spent $5,000 on a house plant. There was a variegated Raphidophora tetrasperma uh, with variegation that basically split the leaf in half between the regular colour and a sort of golden yellow. And that plant went for $8,150 New Zealand dollars on the site Trade Me that's about five thousand US dollars in other words a lot of money and there is a track record for plants on this trade me site going for a lot there was a Hoya I think it was a Hoya compactor with the reverse variegation. That went for six and a half thousand New Zealand dollars a while before, perhaps a couple of months before. And of course, we all know about the variegated Monstera Adansonii with those little holy leaves marked with cream that have also gone for some really interestingly high prices recently. This has been building for a while now, this trend towards rare or unicorn houseplants that cost a lot of money. But I think that lockdown has exacerbated this desire for plants as lots of people who want to liven up their home office or have got into the houseplant thing during lockdown are just desperate for these very, very rare plants. And I think we've really got to take the long view about this in that plant crazes are really nothing new. My first thought is back to the fern craze of the mid-1800s. I wasn't there, I'm not quite that old, although my children would probably beg to differ. Um, so in the mid-1800s around the world there was a fern fever that really took hold of people and lots of women in particular were going out and botanizing and looking for ferns in the wild and buying ferns from nurseries such as the famous and now defunct Lodges of London, with their huge glass houses. And these were really desirable things to own back then. The term pterodomania was coined by a certain Charles Kingsley, and he wrote Your daughters, perhaps, have been seized with the prevailing pterodomania, and are collecting and buying ferns, with wards cases wherein to keep them, for which you have to pay and wrangling over unpronounceable names of species, which seem to be different in each new fern book that they buy, till the pterodomania seems to you somewhat of a bore. (laughs) So that might be familiar, that scenario of of, uh, wrangling over the names and buying the special equipment, the wards cases, which is just the original term for a terrarium to put plants in. So that, is an illustration of the fact this is not a a new thing. Plant crazes have been around forever. I mean, even coleus, those cheapest chips plants that you can buy very, very easily and are certainly not subject to a premium these days, were at one point... Something very new, exciting, and expensive. If you check out Dr. Catherine Horwood's book Potted Histories, you'll find out that a dozen new Coleus hybrids sold at auction by the RHS in 1868 went for £390. Do you want to know how much £390 is worth today? About £30,000. So, as I say, it's not new. And equally, Even further back in history, tulip fever in the 1630s, same time, citrus trees were also a massive status symbol, mainly because you needed an orangery to keep them in. So wild prices for plants are nothing new. The difference in 2020, though, is the speed that things are moving. While fern mania took decades to to reach its peak, now plant trends are catching on within a few days or weeks. So you see a picture of a plant that you absolutely must have on Instagram uh, with a few taps on your phone. You can look up where you buy that plant. Now, it's worth saying that rare does not necessarily mean expensive. So I own some plants that would probably be considered rare. I've got a couple of strawberry saxifrage cultivars that I think you can probably only get in a couple of nurseries in the UK at most, and certainly you'd struggle to get hold of in most parts of the world. But they cost me £7 each from a nursery called Grow Wild in the UK. So how come I can pick up a rare saxifrage for a few quid when rare aroids are going for hundreds of pounds? There are a few different factors here. First, how much plant material is available if your chosen unicorn plant happens to be a variegated one, one that's just a sport that's come about through chance and been latched onto by a canny plant breeder or grower. And then subject perhaps to tissue cultivation or traditional propagation methods, it can take a long time to bulk up enough plants to get the price low. And propagation can also be a factor here. It depends how easy the plant is to propagate. And with a lot of these rare aroids with chimeral variegation, it's pretty unstable. You can chop a plant down to a node and try to get that to root as a new plant And there's no guarantee that the new leaves that you produce will be as variegated or even variegated at all. So there's quite a lot of risk for the person owning that plant. Speed is another matter. How fast does the plant grow? If it takes a long time to get plants up to a decent selling size, then again, that's why you end up with plants being sold at very tiny sizes or the old wet stick where it's just a node and a stem and you're expected to trust that the plant's going to grow. And the other thing is demand, of course. There just isn't the same demand for a rare Saxifragia stolonifera as there is for a rare cultivar of a monstera. Now, this subject has been playing on my mind a bit recently because, as you know from listening to the show, I have three Thai constellation monstera's and I've been humming and hawing about what to do with these plants because I can't really keep all three of them. I definitely need to sell one of them because two are really quite large now and I just don't have room to keep them long-term. And the other day, I just thought I'd randomly go onto eBay and just see what prices the size of plant I have was going for. And I was quite shocked. I'm just going to go and check again now, just to check what the price is now. Hold on for a bit of clicking while I check this. Okay, just going to eBay. Monstera... TIE constellation let's have a look okay so I've got a rooted seedling about the size of the plant I originally bought for two for 15 pounds or actually I think they're 15 pounds each is currently going for 66 pounds with two days left to go There's a bigger one, which looks much more like my plant, not as big, that's on a buy it now. It's got six leaves. I'd say my plant's got about eight to 10 leaves and that's going for £320. Wowzers. I've really been in a dilemma about what to do with this plant because on the one hand, I can't keep it, but I just do not want to buy into this price mania over this plant, and it just feels wrong to auction it off, even though all the money I'm going to raise is going to go to charity, the World Land Trust. I'd just be worried that somebody is just going to see this plant as a cash cow, cut it up, and make more money out of it. And unfortunately, a lot of this plant madness does bring out the worst in some people. Somebody sent me a picture of an eBay sale of something claiming to be a variegated Monstera adansonii, and it wasn't. It was just some kind of Epipremnum variegated Epipremnum that they literally cut holes in the leaves, and it was going for a ridiculous. It was priced for a ridiculous amount of money, and some poor person was probably going to buy that, thinking they'd got a genuine plant. So caveat emptor, buyer beware, as they say. And so I've decided, you know what? I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not going to let this plant be part of this silly, crazy price trend. So here's what I'm going to do. I've decided that I'm just going to propagate one of my plants like crazy. It's a bit tricky because it's got very short spaces between the nodes, but I'm going to try air layering it so that I can get, it'll probably be about at least four or five cuttings from it. And you know what? I'm going to give those cuttings away. Yes. So I'm going to pick some people in the UK who've been very generous and kind to me. And I'm just going to say, do you want a cutting? Because hey, why not? Enjoy. Let's not make this a financial transaction. Let's make this a transaction of fellowship and houseplanty loveliness. I'm getting all warm and fuzzy here but I just honestly would feel so wrong to auction off this plant so that's what I'm going to do and I'm g- it'll be an interesting experiment to see how the air layering works I suspect it'll work really well because this plant's got really big juicy aerial roots already and I just think that the more we can spread this plant without money changing hands the more It will come down in price and everyone will be able to get their their hands on some of it. And I think that's, for me, the important thing. So that's what I'm going to do with my Monstera Thai constellation. I read a really interesting piece in Greenhouse Magazine recently about the trend towards rare houseplants. And this is a piece that's addressed to people who are breeding and selling these houseplants. And there was a quote in there from Dr. Bridget B., Um, who's a professor of horticultural marketing at Michigan State University. And this is the bottom line here. This is what's actually happening. Don't be mistaken. And she says, don't be afraid to put what you would consider to be an extraordinary high price on that and see what happens but the only way you'll know is to try it she goes on to say pick a number that you think is obscenely high not thousands of dollars but you need to test the waters even the markups of three five or ten fifty times the price these rules don't really apply when you've got something novel and unique i guess you know capitalism is going to (laughs) capitalize that's what we can all say about this but you don't have to fall for this story And here's a few things I'd like you to consider when you're looking at a plant that you desperately want but has a silly, silly price tag on it. What I'd like you to do if you are lusting after an expensive house plant, I want you to ask yourself the following questions. One, what is my motivation for wanting this plant? This plant in particular, not a cool looking plant, but this particular plant that costs X amount of dollars, pounds, whatever, that's gonna take a big chunk out of your monthly budget. And if when you really think about it, your desire is based on wanting to have something that no one else can have, I would just take a long hard look at your motivations and think whether that's a good motivation for buying a plant. If your motivation likewise is, okay, I'm doing this kind of a speculate to accumulate type model where I'm gonna buy this plant and I'm gonna chop it up and sell it, then again, I would say, is that a particularly great way of approaching collecting plants? Second, I want you to look at that plant and forget all the hype surrounding it. So forget anything I've said about plants that I love. Anyone else, any other YouTubers or Instagrammers that you love, forget everything that they've told you about how you need to feel about this plant And ask yourself, what does this plant offer that my existing plants or maybe a plant of the same genus that I can buy for about a 10th or a 20th of the price? What does this plant offer me that those plants don't? And then I'd ask yourself, do I have the skills? It might be grow lights. It might be heat mats. It might be a terrarium setup to really take care of this plant in the long term bearing in mind that some of these very rare plants have unstable variegation that can be impacted by the conditions it's kept in. So your wonderful variegated plant may not be variegated forever and may well revert. And once you've answered all those questions, then see how you feel about this plant. Do you still want it? And maybe finally, just think about the sum that you're looking to spend on it And think about how many other plants, what an incredible display you could make by buying other plants instead. You know, you could have a whole wall full of incredible epipremnums, or just do something crazy with peace lilies or maybe you're going to just buy 50 echeverias and, and make a really cool display in a huge trough. I don't know, but just think about what you could spend that money on. I'm not even asking you not to spend it on plants. I'm just asking you to think about what else you could do with that money. And I think if all of us did that, it might take some of the heat out of this plant craze. Prices will come down, you know, we saw it with Pilea peperomioides, the Chinese money plant, it started off in, when when I first started this show in 2017, that plant was going for at least $50, and now the plant has come down to a much, much more reasonable plant, and to some extent it's already happening with Thai Constellation, the price is coming down as more become available, and that will happen. And I know, like, obviously, lots of people are going to completely, well, are either A, never going to listen to this podcast, or B, and or B, are not going to listen to a word I say. And so the plants are going to get sold. But if you don't fall for this narrative, then the price is still going to fall. And at some point, you will be able to get your hands on this tremendously rare plant for a much better price. And, you know, your life isn't going to end because you don't have that plant. I guess. Yeah, I'm this is perhaps surprising for somebody who's spent three and a half years telling you how amazing houseplants are, but I don't judge how amazing houseplants are on the basis of the price. So bide your time, do your research. If you're one of the many people that's getting into Hoyas right now, you'll find that, you know, you can spend a lot of money on these rare Hoyas. But actually, if you start getting involved in the Hoya growing community, you'll find there are tons of extremely generous and kind people who are prepared to do swaps and you can build your collection much more slowly and sustainably that way. I guess my major message is plant swaps are amazing. So yeah, let's just get into plant swaps. Save your money for other things that you might want to, to buy because there is nothing more satisfying to me than getting a tiny cutting and nurturing it into a full plant. That way you learn loads about your plant. Sometimes it goes wrong, but often it doesn't. You end up with a beautiful plant, but you've got to have patience. And that's what seems to be lacking in in a lot of people at the minute they just don't have the patience to wait for the plant that they need to get to come down in price or buy a smaller cutting. And I'd urge you if you do have a rare plant, please please think about sharing it with other people. It's great it's propagating is a great way to learn about your plant and also it means that there's more specimens, more plant material around which is important when a lot of these plants are incredibly rare in the wild. Oh, and one final thing. It is very possible for you to go and find a rare plant in your local garden centre or nursery. I know that there is a lot of joy to be had through hunting for that rarity. And the, the thrill of the chase is part of the fun, but it doesn't have to be an expensive one. If you check out Tyler Thrasher's Instagram, his stories, Tyler, as you remember, was on the show a few weeks ago. I'll put a link in the show notes talking about many different things, including his delight of uh, finding a variegated monster. And you know what? He just goes into the garden centre and looks at, say, 50 monsters they've got in there and checks every leaf for a bit of variegation. And that's how he ended up with a couple of interestingly variegated monsters. So it doesn't have to cost you a fortune. Those are some of my thoughts on the matter of rare plants. I'll post a couple of links to pieces I've written, one for the Financial Times and one for Green Room's Market on this subject, which go into my views in more depth. And I'd love to hear what you think. If you are someone who has spent a lot of money on a rare plant, I'd love to to know why and what it means to you. And if you totally disagree with every word I've said, also, please get in touch. Either way, I hope it's given you all food for thought. And now it's time for Meet the Listener.
1: Hi Jane, my name is Basma Hamdi and I'm an Egyptian expat living in Qatar. I'm a university design professor and I have over 170 plants in my home. Qatar is located on the eastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula and has a dry desert climate. So we basically have two seasons here, either super hot summers or mild winters. So our growing season starts in October and our outdoor plants actually go dormant starting in May. So it's kind of the opposite of a lot of countries, which is really interesting. Question one.
0: There's a fire and all your plants are about to burn. Which one do you grab as you escape?
1: if there was a fire in my home i would probably grab my variegated monstera it's an albo borsigiana it's huge and i found it by complete coincidence at a local store for a little less than hundred pounds it's such a rare plant here and honestly we don't get these kinds of rare plants in qatar so um yeah that would be my plant to grab question two what is your favorite episode of on the ledge My favorite episode of On the Ledge is episode 42, where you interview Muhammad Osman from Behind the Seeds. Um, I honestly discovered his account uh, a few weeks ago by coincidence. And even though I listened to your show uh, all the time, I hadn't actually listened to that episode. Um, And so he had a link to it in his profile and I immediately clicked on it. And it was like these two worlds collided where, you know, the On the Ledge world, that I'm such a fan of, but also that he's a fellow Egyptian and we don't really get that many bloggers or people who are so obsessed with houseplants uh, here in the region. Question three, which Latin name do you say to impress people? I would probably say Raphidophora tetrasperma to impress people. I think a lot of people tend to call it a mini monstera or monstera minima. I've even seen labels on the plant with monstera minima on it. And so it's always good to tell people, actually, that's not a Monstera. (laughs) Question four, crassulation, acid metabolism, or glutation? I would have to go with guttation. So I discovered guttation by accident, like a drop fell on my arm and I was just so fascinated. I think I might have learned about the process listening to one of your episodes and I was completely blown away that plants could do that. And it's also beautiful to water your plants and then the next day or after a few hours you, you see the water droplets forming and it's just like this feeling that you're taking care of your plants and your plants are telling you that they're okay question five Would
0: you rather spend 200 pounds on a variegated monstera or 200 pounds on 20
1: interesting cacti? I would probably spend 200 pounds on a variegated monstera. I love cacti. I think they're fascinating. I have a big collection of them. But yeah, there's something about variegated plants and I think it has something to do with their unpredictability. You never know what the next leaf is going to look like and when the next leaf has a little bit of variegation or even a lot of variegation you're like pleasantly surprised it's almost like a gift your plant is giving you every time it produces a new leaf yeah so i would definitely go for the variegated monstera thank you
0: to basma and great to know that i've got at least one listener in Qatar. And now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Claire. And she had a question about her cactus. She was worried about some hard cream markings on the stem, wondering if it was a pest. Now, looking at the photo of her cactus, it is in fact what's commonly known as a moon cactus. In other words, one cactus grafted onto another. You'll often see them in the garden centres and big box DIY stores, a very brightly coloured globe-shaped cactus on top of another stem that's plain green. These are incredibly popular and as you'll know if you listened to my episode a couple of years ago about my visit to a Dutch nursery, they are sold in their millions. So what are the two plants involved? Well, the bottom section the green bit where these cream marks have showed up on Claire's plant is actually a Hyalocereus which is the genus that covers the night blooming cacti. It's impossible to say exactly which one it is because there are many many hybrids but this plant is very very commonly used as grafting stock for these moon cacti. And then the top bit Well, that's a a cactus that comes from South America, Gymnocalcium mihanovicii. And the particular cultivars that are used for the moon cacti are ones that don't really have any chlorophyll in them. So you end up with these bright red or orange or yellow or pink colours, which make a very dramatic combination. Obviously, without the attachment to the Hylocereus, the cactus wouldn't survive because it wouldn't have any way of photosynthesising. So this is a really vital graft for the plant but this does tend to be quite a short-lived house plant because ultimately the graft will fail. The marks that Claire's seeing, well I think that is just a bit of damage that was done to the bottom, the the Hyloserius, when it was either when it was being grafted or when it was being produced. It's just physical damage that has scarred over into these brown bumps. If you've got something, a pest like scale, you should be able to just poke it with your fingernail and it will will move. Whereas with these physical scars, they won't be affected if you just push them with your fingernail. So that's how to tell the difference between a pest and that kind of physical damage, which is very, very common for cacti, particularly if they've sort of been bashed around a little bit while they're in the garden centre. Is there anything Claire can do to prolong the life of her moon cactus? Well, try to treat it like any other cactus. I would say probably it could do with, if it's in a greenhouse situation in the height of summer, it may need a little bit of extra shading. Because the cactus on top, the gymno-calcium will be affected by blasts of direct sun. Why doesn't this last forever? Well, the Hylosereus really is quite a considerably sized cactus and that little stretch of stem it just won't last that long in that form so then that will die back and you'll lose the cactus on top. And if you wanted to try to keep that moon cactus going a bit longer, you could remove it from the Hylocereus and graft it onto another columnar cactus, which would work perfectly well. I'll put some instructions in the show notes on how to do that. But basically, you slice off the top of the columnar cactus and pop your baby on the top, maybe make a clean cut uh, at the bottom of the ball of the moon cactus, Stick it on and then hold it in place, usually with some some bands or something like that or some string. And over time, they should bind together. And that way you can keep your moon cactus going a bit longer. I do hope that helps, Claire. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, then do drop me a line on the ledge podcast at gmail.com. And all your horticultural horrors will be resolved quick smart if I have anything to do with it that's all for on the ledge episode 154 I hope it's stimulated your brain cells appropriately and I'll be back next Friday for another dose of podcasting per own style see you then Bye. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, Chiefs by Jazar, and After the Flames by Josh Woodward. The advertising music is Whistling Rufus by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit JanePerrone.com for details.
1: Say goodbye